when you're in it, the moment I'm in it and I've done all the work to get into it and I'm like zipped up, ready to go, the world changes and it becomes full of potential and also potential danger, but potential and humor and like joy and like the ability to have been anywhere and done anything you want. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out Mopad. how to do life. Mopad. But it turns out Mopad. nobody knows. Mopad. sounds weird it's because I'm lying down as I'm recording this I'm lying in bed because I was sitting up and then my back started to hurt I am I my life is the least rock and roll life imaginable um considering how many of you on my tour asked me if I wanted to meet up for cocktails <laughs> so many times I wanted to be like you don't know me do you you don't You don't know how, like, I don't think I've ever really been out for cocktails in my life, but I have been home in bed with a slightly broken back. So, um, I am just saying I'm not the party queen that some of you seem to mistakenly think that I am. Um, thank you for tuning in. We're about to get back on track with the schedule and it'll be much more regular soon. Uh, this is Tom Glitter slash um, Christelle Rasmussen. Uh, Christelle is just incredible. Oh, God. I saw them in... At Soho Theatre, there was a... It was a talk show. Diane Chorley's talk show, I think. And I was so unprepared. I didn't know what to expect. And then... Uh, Christelle just made me laugh so so much and I have that book and I will read it so soon you have to read it too I'm sh it's just a thing that you would love I'm gonna let you listen to the episode in a tiny bit as always um, it might be worth for you to check the uh, uh, what's it called trigger trigger warnings just in case it's another kind of deep conversation so you might If you're feeling a bit vulnerable, you might want to check them out. Uh, I before I let you listen to uh, to the episode, uh, buy my book if you haven't already bought it. Happy Fat is about why it's okay to be fat. You can buy it wherever you buy your books. I think it'll, especially in the UK at least. It's I think it's coming out in America in January. Maybe it's coming out in Denmark in January. I know we've sold it to Germany, so this is some translations happening at the moment. That's basically all I know. And then maybe other places later. I don't know how it ha I don't know how it works. It's very strange. But thanks to those of you who already bought it. Uh, it's great. <laughs> and my tour is over now. And I would like to thank everyone who came to see me on tour. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it was so much fun that I wanted to tour again. And I wanted to tour really soon. And uh, that looks like it might be happening. So if you want to know when and where I will be going on my next tour, sign up for my newsletter. And if you want to see my new show, The Bum Swing, come to Edinburgh. Uh, it'll be on at Queen Dome at 7 p.m. every single day, apart from the 12th. And I would love to see you there. Now, I will let you listen to this episode, 
with the incredibly warm and intelligent and kind and glorious person that is Tom Glitter slash Christelle Rasmussen. Before we say anything, would you like to introduce yourself so the people who might not know who you are? Yes. Hello, I'm Tom Rasmussen and or Christelle Rasmussen. Um, and I'm a writer and a drag queen um, and an international dancer um, for for people like Jennifer Lopez. And I did some work with Pitbull and stuff. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm kidding, obviously. Oh, are you? I, yeah. I was, that, that, was, that was so mean. I was imagining it in my head. Oh, my God, imagine. <laughs> I mean, I think I would definitely turn down a job with Pitbull, although he is like you know, the man who can make anything happen, even though I think he's, like, also despicable. But anyway, this isn't about Pitbull. <laughs> this is not about Pitbull. I have to say it every single time. Yes, exactly. Why is everyone so obsessed with Pitbull? Well, I'm a dancer. No, You're not no. even a dancer. I mean, I can dance in a club, but I don't go clubbing anymore, so I don't know if I can. I'm too old. I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, my God, I have a million questions about Jennifer Lopez. And now... I mean, I can make them up. I can make up answers. Oh, if you want. I mean, would you? <laughs> I, th- I wish more people would make up answers. So, uh... You just wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the book. Well, it's called Diary of a Drag Queen, and it is basically um, a year in my life. So it's like a memoir, but you but sort of using the di- diary format in a really knowing way. Um, and it's basically about that year where it's the year of my life and anyone's life where everything is deeply uncertain, and you're kind of chasing these wild, <clears throat> pointless dreams to be tacky about it and then you kind of realize that the structure you were chasing is wrong and then I you know by sort of unfurling into no structure you realize that's where the things that matter are um and it's also a lot about class and my body and being non-binary and being a drag queen and sort of coming from you know a small town up north and and homophobia here and homophobia homophobia there and homophobia here and and sort of negotiating the world as a as a queer person, I think, I guess, who sort of has moved through oddly multiple worlds without really going that far, I think. That's kind of what it's about. And it's also a lot about shit stories. Can I swear? Oh, yeah. All right, okay. It's a lot about shit stories, unfortunate shit stories, or iconic, however like, you want to Do you mean bad it. stories or stories about shit? Stories about shit. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then a lot, a lot of sex, and also a lot about my mum, and yeah, the three things in one, you know, shit sex and mom we all love <laughs> what about your book sophie how's that can i ask about your book you, yeah you can we, we did this uh classic not classic i don't know if it's classic with this uh author thing of going i'm sorry i haven't read your book yet yeah me neither yes. oh yeah. yeah i'll read it soon though yeah me too it's on my nightstand yeah yeah me too <laughs> um, it's on the list no it definitely I'm, is on the list well i same same um, I love your cover, so glittery. Thank you. I, I don't know. I worried it was a bit tacky, but... No, I like it. I love your cover, too. Oh it's amazing. Yeah, you I, ne- I bet people love listening to us just be like... Yeah, I look, God, I love <laughs> you. <great." laughs> Were you nervous about that cover coming out? No. No? I have loads of pictures of my... Similar pictures of my stomach out on uh, I don't, I social guess, media. I didn't mean that necessarily. Sorry, I mean that that sounds really... Oh, I, no. I didn't necessarily mean that more like something like that being projected to a wider part of the world like i've seen on Inst- i've seen on instagram that you yeah. like get a lot of shit from a lot of anchors yeah but i think that might be why i'm not because i'm already getting it you know right. th- there's i think there's i do a lot of projects where people <laughs> producers or whatever sit me down and go now 
you might get some backlash. And I'm like, oh no, oh What's no, that? it'll yeah. probably drown out and all the other backlash. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be fine. Which no, is so I, dark, isn't it? I think. Yeah, like, it sort of is. But you know, once you're sort of used to it, did you, do you get, I mean, is your backlash more, yeah. um, is it more like in the real world? Because when you talk about homophobia, is that? Well, you know, I'm not that big online. Oops, wish I was. No, no, no. I'm, um, I'm not very big online. So I've been, I don't think I have a very big reach there. So I don't know, but definitely in the real world, my life has kind of been, my life has kind of been punctuated somewhat by homophobia, I'd say. Or like, I'm trying to sort of work out whether actually <clears throat> homophobia is the correct term or it's transmisogyny, which is basically mm. like people not being able to understand my quite like sort of intense femininity wonderful and in intense is such a intense word but sort of my femininity in the way that doesn't fit necessarily with my like bigness mm -hmm. and my male presentation and so I walked down the street with friends who are similarly sort of fey as I am and and but thin and sort of maybe perhaps fit into the idea of what could be perceived as, a, as an acceptable feminine body even if they are male and they they're like I can't believe the amount of shit you get and like I get less and less now because I you know, because I stay in a lot more and because I only wear non-colourful clothes. But back, back sort of three years ago and prior, I used to wear really brightly coloured clothes and dresses and heels and wigs every day. And then I got, and then I would get such intense, such extreme homophobia, sort of at every turning, essentially. And then... I got attacked outside my door, <clears throat> outside my door in East London, and really badly. And I just sort of decided I wanted to say things with my writing instead of say things with the way I dress, because I just don't think I had the strength anymore, which I feel kind of guilty about, but I just didn't really have the strength to go into the street and do that, like, anymore, basically. So what was I... So, yeah, I, get, I do get shit, <laughs> but not really online as much as... as as I see other amazing people getting, which is so fucked up, but I get it in the street a bit less now. So, yeah. This might be a, I don't know if it's a weird question, but the, the people who do give you shit, would they be people who would, who you would think you could take in a fight? Or would it, would it only be people that didn't feel like you could, would turn around and punch them? I think I'm trying to understand mm. the masculinity aspect of it mm. and the, you know, the, you know, the types of people who do this, you know, the types of, mm. and, you know, the fighty types who right. only think or speak in violence. Mm. Was there a t specific type who would, um, it's always white men really. And I know that's such an obvious answer. You know, everyone's prejudiced in their own way and everyone says and everyone says and acts in ways that are like perhaps like perpetuate microaggressions in ways that are aware but I think the active the active act of following someone in a car down a road and, and calling them all sorts of things and then throwing a can of a bottle of Diet Coke at them vibes that's like you know example one of a million <clears throat> that would all be always be white men and you know and that that whether that was here or where I'm from in Lancaster. But what was so interesting, what's so interesting to me, I think there's a general idea that white working class men would be perhaps the perpetuators of that kind of violence. And that's where I'm from. I'm from a, I'm from a working class place full of essentially mostly white people who are all very working class. 
and yeah the homophobia there was bad but in london it's intensified like 50 fold it's so intense it's so extreme like you wouldn't think it you'd think moved this sort of like cultural queer metropolis so i don't know if it's i don't even know maybe there is a type white men but i don't know if it's necessarily i don't know helpful for, for like or has been helpful for me to like because then what i would what i did for ages after i was attacked was just be really fearful mm. of white men to the point where I white cis straight men where I just mm. don't I don't know if there's any in my life now except like my brother and my dad and then they're alright they're great actually they're really nice but I still have probably a lot of residual anger towards them and probably take it out on them a bit mm. um, so yeah I don't know if there's an archetype and in terms of taking them in a fight I'd just be too scared because actually my body is quite big but I think inside I'm like you know a really mm. small worried person about violence like i oh, don't yeah. like pain and i wouldn't is there an I, I would never be like <laughs> take them so you should just this is what you should do but i think i was thinking in their minds if there if there would be a bit of them thinking oh i wouldn't oh that's interesting but, but do you know what i mean i'm yeah. kind of thinking i think it's just because it surprised me and that's just my own bias my own kind of surprised me that you got more than you well i don't know no, well i guess i shouldn't because oh, my head is going in like oh, oh yeah i think about these things now <laughs> Um, is it ma- well it feels like masculine territorialism like the way that like I co- I'm bigger than most of these men probably ah, so you're, and they're quite like I want to prove to you maybe I want to prove to you that I'm yeah, stronger than you because you're such a big fag you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. what about you is there, an, is there a sort of I mean there is obviously a specific archetype of person who gives you shit on the internet yeah I mean it's the same same was it the white w- men? I was the white dude with dreadlocks recently. <laughs> yeah. It was sort of about a month ago and it was, you were like, <laughs> you like put him on blast on your stories and I was like, get it. <laughs> it was- I do sometimes. I mean, most of them I just kind of ignore. Like, And sometimes I think it's, I just get a bit annoyed and I start mm. like talking back at them and then that gets boring as well. Because right. they're not, until, you know, it's not like they're saying anything that I've not heard before. You know, it's the same arguments that people have had against fat people since... Forever. 70s, yeah. you know, it's like, oh god, what man, I'm just educating you, and I've, you know, yeah, and they're not taking before. it, they're not taking it, they're not, you know, every once in a while you just have some fun with it, and you can like look through their pictures and do fun things with it, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's mostly just, I think what always annoys me the most is that they don't, and you know what, that annoys me in general with the whole, I don't know, like everything social justice, everything, um, left wing everything about oppression and <clears throat> uh, privilege and everything in that box is that people paint it out to be opinion versus opinion mm. when actually it's always exclusively opinion versus fact mm-hmm. you know like not, we don't have this opinion mm. that we're as much worth as everyone else like we don't have an opinion that oppression kills people we don't have you know those are not opinions exactly. based on science and fact and reality right. where their opinions that some people are worse off that some people steal their jars whatever that's all lies and well, quite but it's, well, it's the idea that like a, a, a you know a straight person having an opinion on gay people versus a, so I'm, I'm talking very you know schematic mm. here like and a gay person talking about a gay person it's like one of their one of those things is someone's life and mm. that is a life and some and another another thing is someone's opinion it's mm. exactly that exactly completely it's but I th- also before we like slowly move on i wanted to say like what's both brilliant and tragic about something we were just talking about is the idea that a lot of my friends 
and a lot of the people I know in in sort of the LGBT community and sort of other socio-political communities, if you will, like online or in real life, people have just become so used to the fact that there will be backlash, the fact that there mm. will be abuse, that people are just like, yeah, you know, it's standard and like, I get it every day and I, I understand and I, I like... And I d- not one of those people I can think of in my head, like the five that are rushing through my head right now, for example, not one of them would ever be actively bad to someone else. Mm. And yet the amount of energy that's consumed, it's wild. And I know yeah. this is such an obvious thing to say, but really it's, it's wild that it's that classic thing of being like, I, I'm, I'm sad, but I'm not surprised. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I'm really definitely. sad, but I'm not, it's wild. Yeah. It's, I'm, think, I'm sad that you get this kind of abuse on the internet and I'm sure probably in real life sometimes, but I, I'm really not surprised, which is, yeah. that's what's fucked up yeah. in a way. Right? That it becomes this, the norm now. Mm. It's like, oh, by the way, you're going to get all this abuse. Or, you know, it's, you know, you wake up and you see a bunch of tweets. You're like, what? Oh, yeah, the yeah. article's been published. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what happened. That's and what then you're quite like, out. cool, fine with it. Sure, whatever, you know. But that's... I think my, my main fury at the moment about that is how we keep talking about the trolls. We keep talking about how awful it is that all these people are doing this thing, but there's a platform mm, mm. A, a, a making this possible. Mm. Very possible, you mm. know? And I'm... It's you a, mean Twitter? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Who do fuck all. They do absolutely nothing. Mm. And then they kind of let us... And it's, I don't want, even want to say battle it out because we're not battling, we're defending ourselves mm. and like... Co- you know we're uh, silencing ourselves we're censoring we're yeah we're just like people are deleting their profiles so, so as to not be doxxed and yeah. as to not be abused and there's this wild this wild thing that's happened this week about did you see the youtube the really homophobic youtube videos yeah. and then youtube being like there's nothing wrong with these videos and let, yeah. like yeah like you know earlier this year they were like defunding any slightly sexualized gay content or queer content yeah. and it's like yeah that you tell uh, yeah and on instagram so many fat people are being blocked and deleted for not doing anything wrong or sex workers are getting their instagram accounts deleted Mm -hmm. and like nothing just hear nothing from why yeah and that's it and then the nazis roam free and we're all just defending ourselves trying to live trying to make have a career and then like there's a comedian called sophie duca who's also done this podcast and she uh she got blocked from Instagram. And that's like her, she needs that for work, you know? Yeah. And she got blocked, I think it was two weeks, maybe three weeks she got blocked from Instagram. And when they finally got back to her, and I think they only got back to her because she, like her manager had been involved. They'd like, done so much work. And um, uh, the thing was that she'd written in her profile, she'd just written a comedian, da, 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 haha, send nudes. That's like a joke. And that I, was I'm- enough to be like, no, it's sex work or whatever. Or it's, I don't even know what the, what the reasoning for that was but for three weeks and she was like I've seen so many different profiles with the same and that but who weren't black women so right that's the problem isn't it it's fucking wild yeah it's so that's my wild. that's my new thing it's like yeah we can talk about the trolls but we have to talk about the platforms mm, that's <laughs> we have true to start calling out Twitter we have to start calling out Instagram well I mean I guess that's the point if you that's that applies to sort of IRL and URL if you think about it this idea that like really it's the structure that's the problem it's not necessarily mm. the structure breeds the idiots right yeah the platform gives platform yeah. to the idiots like the the structure of not to go into like the age-old patriarchy but the structure of like cis hetero <coughs> patriarchy breeds 
breeds a power structure where men can do whatever they want to people yeah. like us. And yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, it's, if I'm honest, it's not actually something that my, I, I, when I first started writing maybe seven years ago, I really, my focus was a lot on that, a lot on like structural critique in a, in a really accessible way, not in like a freeze mm. magazine way and like a writing for ID way sort of talking about like, you know, these kind of things, sort of structural inequality and looking at like community activism. And I think eventually I got slightly burnt out by that because, you know, I realized that like that was just me and a lot of the people I knew and know spending a lot of time and energy on on them, on people who are... Yeah. And actually like I've realized, so going back, going back to the book, I've realized sort of, what I wanted to do with that and what I've wanted to do with my writing and my work since is like <clears throat> make work that is for queer people and non-binary people and any sort of, I guess you would hope, but you know, I'm probably missing a lot of experience here, but like anyone who's felt other to read and feel and see themselves and be nourished by. Mm. And then if, if some person who benefits from the structures that oppress reads the book and learns something from it, then that's an extra added bonus. But it's about no, the nourishment of the people who deserve it rather mm. than the, rather than for me spending my energy, like thinking about like why that man who just punched me in the face is the way he is. I've done that enough in my mm. life. I'm, I've made like, I've like swerved and made an, you know, and put pits myself away for people for like my whole life. So I'm sort of, that's, it's, it feels like it's going that way as well. Like looking in and nourishing what's there and nourishing the community. Mm. And that's what a lot of the people whose work I really respect is. That's what your book is like. That's what, you know, my friend Travis Alabanza's work's mm. like. That's what, but that's what everyone good yeah. does. That's, you know, that's really good. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's what I, when I do get attacked a lot, I always urge people following me to not engage with the trolls, but like if you see a negative comment, immediately go to someone who creates something, like a good person's account, and share their stories, share their posts, retweet them, tell them how much you love their work, buy tickets for their shows, buy their book. Just you know, when you see a negative thing and you want to, f it makes you angry. You want to fight. Don't comment on it. Like, mm. don't give them any attention. Don't just focus on the good. Express the goodness. And mm. it sounds a bit, you know, this, that's not me being like, oh, you just have to be positive. That's the answer. That's not at all what I'm saying. But it is knowing that that will hurt the troll the most right. is for you to ignore them. But also Uplifting that's them. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, it's very easy to keep focusing on that and just like you can kind of get almost like. Um, Oh, there's a word. It's a word from in English, like um, like people almost enjoy it. You know, people almost enjoy the horror of it. Like, mm. oh my god, they're so awful mm. what they're saying. Mm. Oh my god, I've just read through all the YouTube comments and it's so bad. And people mm. are saying so much horrible. And you're like, stop looking. Like, mm. go. But meanwhile, there are people struggling to sell tickets, or people making amazing work. Yeah, spent a year doing a show or a book or something, and mm. support that. Like, that's mm. what we need. You know. I agree. Yeah. I and it's a really, a, I guess that's a way, like, you know, to, yeah, exactly. Mm. I, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> exactly. So, when you were growing up, mm. were you all, I mean, there's so many aspects of it. I think, so non-binary, when did you come out as non-binary? Hmm, like, I came out, out as non-binary, like, two years ago, but it wasn't really... 
the fanfare I'd expected, I think, in a good way. Because, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, in previous parts of my life, comings out were much more traumatic than that. And I think sort of like, I came out when I was 13 as gay. And then when I was like 19 as a drag queen. And I'm talking mostly in relation to my family and close people in my life. And then and then I came out as non-binary and everyone, my parents were just got like, okay, yeah. Like they, don't, they still get my pronoun wrong. My mum's always like, you know, to my niece, she's always like, Uncle Tom's on the phone. He's using a they pronoun now. And I'm like, mom, it's <laughs> not. So but, not at all. Yeah. But I have much more time. I've said this before many times, but I just, I have much more time for someone like, obviously my mom, like if you, if you know, if you know about pronouns and you get it wrong, then like get it wrong once. Mm. Correct. Learn it. If you get it wrong 10 times, literally fuck you. I'm getting your pronoun, right? Whatever yours is. Mm. But if it's my mom or someone who isn't necessarily as exposed to pronoun conversations as I am, or we are as people on the internet, then she gets more time. Absolutely. Also, she like gave birth to me. Fuck that. She gets a lot more time. <laughs> and also, like, there's a, there's people, who, people's parents who don't shouldn't get the amount shouldn't get that time who are unwilling to try. But the point is, she's willing to try. Anyway, I came out as non-binary two years ago. That's the answer. I had a, an aunt who whose coworker came out to her as uh, as trans and. Uh, and when she was telling me the story, I was going, oh, God, what are we, you know, what, 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 what am I going to have to deal with? What are we going to hear now? Mm. And she was like, yeah, so, and, you know, she, she, I was like, um, I was like, she, 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 we say she the whole way through. She was like, oh, okay. So she came to my house and then told me, and I was so relieved because I was so scared it was a date, but then it turns out it wasn't a date. <laughs> oh, I was so happy. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh, this is good. Okay, okay this is good. Phew, we're on the right track. Okay, and yeah. there was so I was just like talking to the to uh, to my aunt about how to, like, just how to not f- fuck up, and it was quite. It's so. I think you become so guarded about it, mm. not guarded, but you you know you you're expecting all this horrible thing, things to happen. So when someone's just like, oh okay, mm. oh I'll try and remember that. Okay, but then what about this thing? Like, can I, can I ask her to wear a bow in her hair? So I, no, no, absolutely not. That's not how it works. Okay. Okay. And you're just all these questions and you're like, they come from such a good place and you know, it's going to take so long to, and, but it's, it just feels so for me, at least it feels so overwhelmingly nice when mm. you're expecting the worst, but then actually yeah. they're handling it quite well. You're like, yes. Oh, it is possible. You know, maybe sometimes, you know, no, I agree. I agree. And I mean, you get sort of, I mean, that's the work that should, that's, sh- it's what it's, it's wonderful also hearing stories like that as well. And also hoping to do that because that should be the work of cis people or people in less danger to be like, this is what you say and this is what you do. And you're right when things, when you're surprised by something, I think the most surprising thing for me when <clears throat> I, I sort of now with my family, because when I was, I've, again, when I was, t- when I was young and coming out to them, they weren't, necessarily the best about it mm. but that's because of, it's about geography and 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 class and exposure and now with hindsight I, don't, I have no blame for that mm. but I think I did then but I don't know and and um now the sort of most remarkable reaction is like nonchalance and I, I'm quite like oh my god wow like they're sort of my mom sort of is unblink like un, unflinching to like me, you know, now you build these things up in your head based on previous experience. And now it's just like, okay, like, you know, cool, that's fine. <laughs> so like, you know, and it was really amazing. I, we went to see 
a friend of mine, Amru, who you know, Amru mm. and I went to see Jamie. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of both of our experiences in different ways. It's sort of like about this, like, you know, feminine, male-bodied person who wants to wants to wear a dress to prom and Amru both had that in different and I both had that in different ways and we sort of watched the whole thing it's very cheesy and very lovely we watched the whole thing by the end we were both like weeping like oh my god it's like it's so like you know sort of like the sort of 13 year old terrified queer in you like weeping for what was or whatever in a very sweet way and then I I was like oh my mum and dad are in town I'm gonna take you know I'll they want to see a show, and obviously I'm more inclined to see something like Phantom of the Opera because it's a work of it's work of genius. Um, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> like, Not why? enough people say that. I am I right? Exactly. Well, <laughs> how do you then, feel about Love Never Dies? Oh, I've not seen it. Sadly, okay. I only saw Phantom live for the first time this year. <gasps> okay, well that's Wild. another tip. Well, yeah, we'll time. get, we'll get Sorry, to. Sorry, And um, my and I took my mum to see it, and my mum and dad, and I was like, oh, this will really get them because, like, you know, it's about like a northern northern gay kid who who's whose mum loves him so much but takes a bit of time to get on board with the fact that he wants to address and then really comes through very similar to my mother and i's arc if you were to write it in a really sort of simplistic way and then at the end the curtain like went down and everything was finished and my mum sort of looked at me and was like oh well that was a bit disappointing and i was like why and she was like well you know, and I was sort of like dabbing away a tear and my mum was like well you know obviously he should be allowed to wear a dress to prom and also like I think we need to really assess what pronouns we're using for him actually and like whether actually they're they or whether they want to use she like it was unclear and that and that felt a bit you know a bit like they're a bit unseen in that and I was like what and my mum had like sort of had this incredible like this sort of political not political but this incredibly like astute critique on everybody's talking about Jamie and I was sort of like mom I'm so proud like I'm so proud of you I mean that was 60 quid a ticket down the Swanee for me but like spent like you know half a month's wages on it but at the same time quite like mom you've grown so much it was like very very sweet so like that wow. you know t- turns out with with not always and I don't want to erase people who have really bad relationships and and with their parents because you know that's fucking hard but like with with me and them <clears throat> like slow and steady and hard work really won the race anyway i don't know why i don't know how no, I got that. you asked me how i came out as non-binary no no it no. Was two years ago so <laughs> <laughs> um so when you you came out when you were 13 as gay mm. did you or is that a, is that a cliche is that a bad question to say do you did you always know i mean it's not I'm, i don't know i mean i don't feel offended by it but i guess some people might might be. I don't know. I'm fine I think with it. My, I think what I'm basing it on is um, I the reason I didn't know I was non-binary was because I didn't know the word. I didn't know it was right. an option. Same. Um, and I, I was wondering. I was in my head. I was going like, how would you how would you know if you don't know it's an option? Mm. Do you know if it's never presented to you? Right. Well, that was what gay was for me, I think. Yeah. Is that what non-binary was for you? Yeah. I think that was that for me as well. Well, I think I was aware of non-binary for like two years, three years before mm. I came out. I was always a bit like, mm, scared mm. to basically ask people for more trouble mm. for them to con- yeah, consider yeah. you. But I think, yeah, as it, I mean, coming out as gay at 13, I definitely was 
yeah, I was always like this, whatever this is. I was always wearing dresses and using a pillowcase as a wig in my bedroom with a, lo- a locked door, sort of obsessed with Celine Dion and unable to explain why I... And also I had like sexual, which is probably inappropriate, but I had sexual encounters with boys when I was very, very young. Was, we were, obviously everyone was consenting, as consenting as you can be when you're like six. But like in that way, I had really long-standing continued sexual experiences with boys my age and you know I was seemingly quite happy um and then I remember watching a Christina Aguilera video beautiful and on (laughs) right and there was no gay people in my life ever I'd never seen one I'd never seen a gay and now I've seen too many um (laughs) but um but I um remember watching this Christina Aguilera video and in it there's two men really going at it kissing on a bench and past them are walking these like you know stereotypical like naysayers who are like giving them evils in a really sort of kind of realistic way actually if I was <laughs> if I was to ever kiss some a guy on a street like that would be a flop um and I remember being like fuck that's me that was when I realized that I was like shit uh. that's something different and then I remember sort of I was must have been about 12 floating the question to my mother like what is it when two boys kiss and then my mom was like well, that means they're gay. And then I was like, what's that? She was like, well, it doesn't really matter. Vibes. I don't remember the exact mm. situation. And I was like, I remember being in bed being like, that's me. And, and, and I was thinking about this recently about, I was actually writing about it, about um, how, I don't know, we, we criticize things like National Coming Out Day, definitely, because it's sort of a problematic idea. But I don't know anyone for whom that process was smooth. Mm. And I don't mean like, I, d- I know people whose parents were like, we knew, we love you, you're perfect mm. the way you are, and anything. But I don't know if anyone who realized in their internal life, internally, uh, between that moment and coming out, out, mm. I don't know anyone for whom that process was easy. Mm. And that's wild, if you think about it. Like, mm. r- the realization <clears throat> that you're queer or gay or non-binary is scarier, is, sca- is so scary. And... For me, a lot of them, the comings out, the saying out loud were equally as scary, but I'm just, I, I was even thinking about the friends of mine who say like, it was not a problem for me. My parents were like, we love you, go back to bed, don't worry about it. But that interim between realizing and coming out was such an intensely intense thing. That's such an, what about I've, never, was, I've never had that angle before, which is absolutely correct. Like the actual process of dealing with it in your own yeah, the realization. Because I remember feeling, and I haven't thought about this until you just said that. I remember feeling angry, annoyed, when people started putting pronouns. So I did a, I was at a conference, and you had to put like your name on a name tag and then your pronouns. And I just felt just extreme annoyance with that. Like I was so angry, and I couldn't put any words mm. to why it was annoying. It was just so annoying, wow. and I didn't put my pronoun because. All I knew is that writing she would be wrong, but I didn't want to think about it. So that wasn't a, that wasn't even really a conscious thought. I was just ugh, just write my name. It was just, yeah, I didn't even didn't even get into my consciousness. It was just like subconsciously just don't want to. And it was like that for a while, you know. I still don't have pronouns on my Twitter profile. Um, it's because if I have to do that, then I have to acknowledge. I have to acknowledge it. Right. And that I've acknowledged it now, but I've only acknowledged it on this podcast and on mm. my other podcasts. I've not made any Twitter, I've not tweeted about it, I've not Instagrammed about it. So the people listen 
uh, will often refer to me as they, and it feels amazing. Does it? But I've never asked for it, and I've never. I'm still in the process of, like, really publicly coming out properly. Mm-hmm. This is still happening, but now at least I know. Right. And from the from the me being annoyed at pronouns <laughs> to me uh, consciously understanding why. I mean, once you know what's happening, you're like, oh god. And then I was just so relieved. I'm like, oh, any pronoun will do. It's fine. (laughs) Now, at least I know now. The only thing that I ask the people who know about it is to not refer to me as woman or lady or girl. That's what I hate. That's when I get like, that feels... Really? That's dysphoria. That's feeling of dysphoria where you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, really uncomfortable. In how you've been put. Yeah. And And I've since realizing it, oh my god I'm so aware of how often people do it mm. oh, oh and it's, it's so wild, unnecessary it? mm. it's so on every single venue I've done on the tour and then to be fair I've not said it out I've not told most people that they shouldn't do it but you sh- even even so people sh- there's no need to say right. hi ladies mm. come on ladies let's do the sound check ladies <coughs> what do you ladies need oh hi ladies <laughs> there's no there's no reason why wouldn't you just be like hi hi <laughs> what do you need you're comedians yes. you love or no collective you, term or... just like hello there yeah hello like, you it's wild yeah. actually when you and it, that was the, one of the first things that happened for me as well the first clocks of like realising realising how gendered language is constantly mm. and how gendered my language was too and probably is mm. in many ways but like you know among close friends now we we in that way that only the people who belong to an identity can we flip and change. No one ever calls me, ever, ever calls me he among my close friends. Mm. But I will move between she and they mm. quite often, as will a lot of my, a lot of our friends. But you're right, there's certain trigger points that mm. make you feel that feeling, which is like, I feel so unseen right now. Yeah. This is so, wrong. Right. Yeah. It's wrong, it's wrong. It's why wrong. do you think you're, why do you think you're reluctant to come out on your socials? I think. So my main, I mean, it's changed a bit now, but my main group of people are comedians. You know, that's my main job as mm. comedian. And of course, even comedy has become more and more sociopolitical and mm. everyone has a cause. And But I've been very, very angry for many years. Like I've been very, like, and it's changing now because I feel better now. But for two, two years, I've been furious online. Like, I've not been funny. I've done two shows that were, they were funny, but they were a bit more serious than they were funny. They were a bit mm. more dark than they were funny. So I feel like I've, for two years, I've just been, you know, like I know my manager has gotten phone calls from people saying, oh, is, is she okay? Like, she just seems very angry all the time. And like, you know, I know I've lost jobs because people didn't assume that I could be funny because I was so angry all the time. And part of me is like, I think right now, coming out like going doing like a facebook status saying oh by the way don't call me woman i think a lot of people can't consciously or subconsciously see me as someone who's not okay someone who's um on like a bit of a psychological rampage or like just lashing out at the world Mm. or whatever or being hysterical or whatever they want to say and i think if i now said oh and also you know I'm all, you know, apart from all this other oppression that I have, I'm also non-binary. I think I'm not ready. When I'm misgendered by people who don't know, that's sort of fine. But if I'm misgendered by someone who knows, 
that feels like violence. Right. You know? I agree. Do you know what I mean? In a way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I still hate it when you walk in somewhere and they're like, hello, sir. And you're quite like, why do you do you sir? But like, Absolutely still I, would never, I would never say that to someone. But then if you said, oh, um, I'm not, I'm actually not a man. Mm. And then they said, well, sir. You know, That's then it's, scary, it's yeah. almost like giving them like an open... An to opening to violent. Yeah, sort of. And I think that's what I'm, I'm. Do you think it's like a. Sorry, I'm like asking no. quite maybe. No, okay. If there's things. Is there anything you don't mind talking about? Because I was no. going to say, do you think it's a. Do you think it's like a reluctance to take up space in that way? Mm, totally. Which it is. is. It's both. It's both that, which I think I'm better at because I think in my fat activism, I'm like forcefully taking up quite oh, a lot oh. of space by being like, look at my fat stomach, look at it. <laughs> no, fat, 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 I'm fat, say the word fat. Oh. You know? So I think I'm okay in an activism way, I'm quite okay with it. But I think a lot of it is career wise. A lot of it is just this like, it's, it's not good right now to make another big political, which, which would feel like a political statement. Which I'm not wild. ready. It's, it's, what and it's world not, are we living in? I know. You know, to be fair, they'll probably, most of them will probably be really nice. I'm just not ready for the, no, I'm, if it, I mean, because obviously I'm saying it here, so it's not like it's a secret, but I quite, if it's like a tweet, you know, I'm not ready for the trolls to have another thing to be a classic, da 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 I'd rather just keep it a bit, until I've dealt with it myself, until I'm ready to... Well, Most that's, the, been that's the best sweet. piece of advice you could give, right? It's like at your own pace. This yeah. isn't about anyone else. Yeah, exactly. Your gender is not about anyone else, actually. And of course, then eventually it could be in terms of it helping other people. But it's not about anyone else. It's about you. As you as mm-hmm. It's about the person, right? Do you, feel, do you feel pressure being an out non-binary person to be... Because of course it's something that you have to get used to and most people, everyone has to get used to this. It still feels fairly new in terms of people being aware mm. of it. Um, so do you feel, that's another thing of me, is I, I feel so ashamed of this. I sometimes misgender myself because you know, I'm so used to saying woman and feeling that it's wrong and not feeling that it's the correct thing. I'm so used to saying it and sometimes when I'm talking and I'm, I'm in my head, I'm just like, oh, like, I need to say, I need to say m- me, but person doesn't work because I need to separate it from anyone. And then I just end up being like, like me, I'm a woman who, and I'm like, whoops. <laughs> but then I feel in my head, I go, right, but if everyone knew, then that would be, or like maybe the people who listen to the podcast will think that I've been lying or that right. I've changed my opinion or, do you know what I mean? What's it? Yeah. Again, I think this comes down to the fact that like, you are not to sound funny, but I think you you probably have more followers than I do in, in both in like fans and in general. So I don't feel pressure online. Sometimes I wonder when I post like an, a story. Sometimes I'm like, I wonder if anyone would look at this and be like, what a failure of a non-binary person because they look like a man. Mm. But that's for other reasons. That's for vi- reasons of violence. And I want to, I my choice not my choice, half choice, half sort of like my learned my learned instinct is to blend in now, is not to stand out when I'm dressed in the day when I'm as a queen it's different but so I don't feel necessarily, I, you know what if I'm really honest I don't feel pressure which is actually from anyone who should sh- 
who shouldn't be giving me pressure. Because actually, I I think for me, my my gender identity is very much about like it's like the internal. It's about finally feeling at peace. And like the irony is, I things like my my genitals and my my belly and my body since I came out as non-binary it lit and I don't really believe in these things but it was like a cure-all for those things it always gave me horrible insecurity I was quite like hang on if my gender can be what I choose it to be then my opinion of my body can be what I choose it to be right if I can extract myself from this like simplistic idea that gender is two things then I can extract myself from the and I and I had the theory and the thought of like capitalism hates all people but it hates fat people the most and it obviously hates people of color and queer people and and everyone oppressed but in terms of how capitalism sells in terms of capitalism hates fat bodies and I knew all that theory and was like that's just like a structure to make me feel shit so then I'll engage in loads of industries like you know you know way more about this but basically for the first time maybe the six months after I came out as non-binary actually perhaps the pressure left a bit if I'm honest so that you know but I understand definitely how you would feel but maybe that's, I, again, I don't want to like offer up anything, but maybe that's because you're in between the space of being out here and people close to you and being out. But like, absolutely, a lot of those people on Twitter maybe don't deserve to know your truth. Oh yeah, they can fuck off. They can fuck off. <laughs> they can absolutely <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> but like, it's just, it's kind it's like, it's a tricky Yeah, I think it's the, it's the, I've seen a lot of memes recently saying that, um, uh, non-binary and is this non-binary oh yeah non-binary and trans people in general don't need to look a certain way to be the the gender or not the gender they blah, 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 blah. and this idea that we don't have to be androgynous to be mm. and then but it's still in my head mm. you know this um, how how dare i go out and say i'm not a woman mm. when i look like one why do you think that do you feel like it's because well, you're it's failing just, non-binaryism or because yeah. you're, you're vacating womanhood but that it's so it's such a strange thing isn't it how my i've never felt like a woman i've never th thought i've always tried to look like one because you know a fat person will just be more palatable the more feminine they are if they are what people perceive to be a woman at least and then suddenly now i'm like Am I t now I look too much like a woman to be who I am, <laughs> and it's it's all in my head. Like I know, you know, if this if anyone else said this to me, I'd be like, listen, I will tell you exactly mm. how to live your life. But once it's me, I'm suddenly like, right? Oh God! Yeah. Then if I was sat, I'm sat here saying I'm non-binary, and there's I, I mean, unless I'm assuming that you're way cooler than you really are in your head, but there's no way in your head you're like you don't look like a non-binary person, oh, which is exactly what. Absolutely Any non-binary person I know would say and yeah, would say about you too. Exactly. But it's just such an internal, like weird thing. But that's not you, that's the world. Right? It's the world. All Ugh. that internalized crap is like, Ugh. you know, and it's that this is one of the hardest things I think, or not the hard, the hard, it's really not one of the hardest things. There is like so many hard things in the world that I will never experience. But, but like in terms of this thing we're talking about, this is, the knowledge of internalized structures and the actual removal of them is like the biggest, most, the, the like most difficult thing about this sort of like, I'm aware that gender is a construct. I'm aware that like, I'm lucky enough to be aware that like <clears throat> straight people are boring. I'm kidding. Um, <clears throat> but like, um, I'm lucky enough to know that like 
every myth perpetuated about fat bodies is wrong, yet at the same time, you still, every now and then, no matter how far along I've come, and I've gone from being like obsessive weight loss, like throwing up in bushes, shit like that, through, you know, eating a McDonald's thing, getting out the car and throwing up in a bush, to like here, where I sort of don't really care, but I still look in the mirror and I'm like, ugh, fuck. You know what I mean? Mm. And you can be so aware mm. that that is wrong. And it is. That's mm. nothing I've, any of us are doing. It's just, yeah. it's wild. It's Sophie. so internalised. So, I mean, that pressure is, it is internalised, but it's not your fault. I mean, mm. you know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's good to hear, though. <laughs> so, yeah, right? Now, to I wanna... me, you're non-binary, baby. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're whatever you want to bloody be, obviously. Yeah, non-binary. Obviously, like, unless you want to be, like, a fascist, and then no. You can't be that. Please. <laughs> but I identify as a fascist. <laughs> oh, God, no. Um, I've, I'm so new to drag. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when we did that show together... Yeah, Diane, With surely. Diane, yeah. I feel like that might have been the first time... You're lying. I, You've seen a drag queen. Sophie, you are kidding. That's I crazy. Think maybe on maybe like on television or something, but I've I'd never seen the show. I'd never. I really think it was the first time. No. I was just. It was just not in my world. Yeah. yeah, and. And since then, I've looked it up more because <laughs> I think Google like thing drag. I, yeah, <laughs> like in the yeah, I'm like <laughs> what's it called? Um, the Google Chrome incognito. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, I'm such a fan of drag, you guys. Like, copying and pasting off, off Wikipedia. <laughs> my most pressing question is Rasmussen. Mm. That's a Danish yeah, surname. My dad's Danish. But I can't, is Yeah, he? but I can't speak any Danish. Don't. I didn't know he was. Yeah, I'm half Danish, fully. Yeah. Oh, but my I God. I know, and it's hilarious, because it's not that hilarious, but I, you know, if you say Rasmussen here, people are like, how do you spell that? And, like, I've had, <laughs> like... um letters come my way that literally are like Raf Muffin, like R-A-F-M-U-F-F-E-N <laughs> because people over the phone hear S as F. Yeah. So I'm like S for sugar. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And, um, and, but then I was in Copenhagen for a friend's engagement party and I went to a shop and it was one of those shops where they ask for your, you know, your name to put mm. you in their like system and I never understand why because why the fuck do I like to buy a bar of soap? They're like, have you got a profile with us? And I'm quite like, um, no, <laughs> like, no, anyway, not that funny, but I find it wild. I was like, this is like another eight minutes yeah, in yeah. this like weird, like, so you can keep me forever and send yeah. me texts every once in a while. <laughs> exactly. Or like the dullest emails that like people, surely brand, this is an aside, but surely brands know now that like, no one likes to be actively sold to. It's got you go anyway. Yeah. yeah. This is really not the point. My takedown of branding, <laughs> but I was in a shop and they were like, "What's your surname, sir?" And I was like, uh -huh. um, "And I was like, uh, I was like Rasmussen R A S." And they were like, "We know basically uh, that everyone's surname in Denmark everyone's is called Rasmussen." Pretty boring. Story, it even feels actually. weird saying it in English. Why? How do you say it in Denmark? Rasmussen. 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 Oh, I mean, you so can say it less. That was very Copenhagen. Rasmussen. <laughs> you get like Rasmussen and Ramussen, and it's wild. It's such. An, it's just what say what you see. I've gotten so used to saying Rasmussen. Danish words with in and like a British way because I'm already in the accent of it. So I'm, right. even my own name, Sophie Hagen, is that's just. How do you say it in Danish? Sophie Hagen. What? Yeah, Sophie Hagen. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> it's like the Danish TV show uh, Bolton. 
everyone here calls it Borgen. So uh, I've started saying Borgen, which is obsessed, so weird. Obsessed. Anyway. Uh, didn't know you have Danish. That's very exciting. Mm. So is Cristal um, based around... Me. It's based around you. But it's, uh, okay, it's, my, it's because my friend <coughs> Jody Mitchell... Jody Mitchell. Jody Mitchell. No, I was going to be like, you know no, Jody Mitchell. Stop. <laughs> unfortunately, it's yes. just Jody Mitchell. Jody is a drag king. Okay. And uh, their drag king is called uh, John Travolver. Iconic. <laughs> the, some, of the dra- the, some of the drag king names out there are the best. It's amazing. But the, uh, one of their dads name is John. Mm. So when you said your dad was half Danish, mm. oh, your dad was Danish, and then you said Rasmussen, in my head, I immediately just thought, oh, I guess all people who do drag name their characters after their, right. after their fathers. Right. That's why I said it was based on your father. That's where I came from. Sorry, it's based on you. Yes, it's, no, no, it was just, the reason it's Christian Rasmussen, which, Rasmussen, which is the Rasmussen, Rasmussen. which is the, <laughs> the um, name, is because it used to be Crystal OBE. Order OB is what you get from the Queen is called. Oh yes. And it's obviously I hate the monarchy and it's a joke. But Cristal, who's very different to me, she's me obviously, but she's 108 years old and incredibly rich and basically has sort of the the confluence of all these things that I dreamed of throughout my life, which was like problematically dreamed of, which was like eight eight dead husbands who left me all their things, and I sort of, you know, I'm the lost Romanov girl, but also like. I'm like a New York, like jazz club, like impresario. If you can be an impresario of jazz clubs, I'd never know how to use that word. But then also like, you know, basically she's anything and everything. And like one of the most joyful things when I was first developing the character of Crystal was someone would be talking about, oh, did you see that movie, da da da? And I'd be like, oh, Crystal was in it. And like someone would be like, oh, you know, the light bulb. And I'd be like, yeah, Crystal invented that. And it's amazing. It's sort of drag is, for me, has been like a joyous fantasy way to like insert myself into like things that were like so far removed from who I could ever be as like a poor, fat, you know, working class gay boy, gay person, gay non-binary person now, but so it's based around me, but basically all the things I could never be, I would say. Was there a time when you did that for the first time? Was that as, was that as exhilarating as I feel it might have been? Mm, it's just like I mean yes the first time I did it was the ring but I just went on stage and sung a song and left uh, but still that was still something I thought I could never be I could always sing a bit but I thought I could never be a singer and then yeah it is it, you know what every time it's exhilarating and, and the, the process of getting into it and out of it is the is I find the most boring thing in, in the whole of my life which is I'm so lucky that I get to say that do you mean uh, putting on face getting oh, in the physical stuff not the emotion not the brain stuff behind not it. the brain no just not the, the brain actual stuff. like ugh, and you can and, yeah exactly and yeah. around the book i was doing drag six days a week for different right. things for about a month and a half and you wake up at seven you're like i can't believe i have to do two hours of makeup now and it's i mean it's fucking fine god i've done worse things i've worked as a host in an east london cafe i mean that is that's the pits i i like yeah when you're in it the moment i'm in it and I've done all the work to get into it and I'm like zipped up, ready to go. Like the world changes and it's like becomes full of potential and also potential danger, but potential and humor and like joy and like the ability to have been and done it, been anywhere and done anything you want. It's an amazing, it's an amazing. And also to, 
to find, to discover new ways, I guess, to like hold my femininity, which is constantly a work in progress. But like, I guess that's what drag started off as for me. The, the biggest thing that I was never allowed to be was feminine. And that's what drag first allowed me to do. And then I realized through that I could be so many other things that I wanted to be, you know, like, yeah. and I think I've been thinking again a, a lot recently, you know, cause drag is so over discussed, but I think what we see in the, in the mainstream is, is the face of drag and the face of drag is amazing. And it's like, critical and catty and bitchy and beautiful and and very capitalist as well and and radical and all these things but that isn't what the the like the face of drag is that but the heart of drag is something totally different to that and i think we don't see that enough in the world and the heart of drag is like warmth and like healing and like and allowing people to like who like would otherwise be like in the dark living in the dark would to be like and live a life full of like kind of thing do you know what i mean like drag is so much more than what we see on something like rupaul's drag race which is like i find it quite bleak really i find it quite disappointing and like singular and i think drag is so much more nuanced than what we see it's an amazing thing really wow really went went for that didn't i oops God, I'm, I'm sorry i you know how i feel i feel so when i went to see jody's striking show i went with a friend and afterwards i was like wow that and i said to my friend you know why that was so important because like we're all just watching that thinking who would my drag king be like how how would i express my masculinity and and how what character would i do we're just all questioning our gender and my friend said no, we're not. <laughs> That's you. That's you doing that. What would your drag king character be? Or would you oh, be a drag I don't queen? Know. Oh. No, I think I. Oh, God. I think I'd. My instinct would be drag king. Because mm -hmm. I think I have a complicated relationship with my femininity a lack thereof or mm. whatever lack thereof there is or I think being allowed to be proper masculine would be amazing like, it was like the first time I wore trousers holy shit do you remember that yeah what you remember oh my god because I'd wore dresses from I was like t 10 till oh, 28 because I just couldn't I just assumed I couldn't fit any into oh any trousers. Oh my babe. And then you found trousers at 28. Oh my God. And what did you do? Oh my God. I, it was <clears> just magical. And then I went. The thigh I was chase. going out to meet with some like fat bloggers who were all very fashionable and very feminine. And I put on a dress and I was like, phew, this just feels not good. This doesn't feel good. Why am I, why, whoa, I just don't want to do this. And then I put on these trousers that I bought like weeks ago, months ago maybe, that I just never put on. And I put them on. And I was like, holy shit. And then I put on this, um, like, bud in the men's section, uh, gray, it's called a vest, mm -hmm. like a top. Yeah, tank with top. no sleeves, yeah. Yeah, like really baggy. And like you could see my bra from the, because it was like a proper, like, you know, not made for people who wear bras. And I was like, this is so masculine. This is so cool. <laughs> I like showed up, and I remember showing up this uh, fashion blogger thing. And someone taking pictures of all of us. And then she reached me and she went, I'll do that later. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I can see I don't fit into this. Life. Right. But I felt That's amazing. fucking fashionable. I felt amazing. amazing. So maybe you would be a drag king. I think so. What, do you have a name? Quite a big question. No, I, it takes uh, a while. Listen, listen. 
<clears throat> I want, and no one likes it, so it's probably not going to end up being that, but I want it to be Meat Soap. Meat Soap, like, genius. Like, like Meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's really good. Like it's great. The only one. Meat Soap, I love it. <laughs> meat Soap. Like, yeah, it's genius. <laughs> Well, thank you. I'll I'll uh, I'll give it some thought. I'm obsessed. So I want to ask. Um, I mean, I because I, I I could probably talk to you for another hour easily, but I want to do that another time because we don't have time to do a proper more thing. So I'm going to ask you the last question. Mm-hmm. That I always ask in this podcast, mm-hmm. which is, you're in the delivery room mm-hmm. and you have just been born. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you now mm-hmm. are holding. Teeny tiny me right now. I'm holding teeny tiny me. You, yes. Okay. And do you go by what name do you want to put put on here? Your drag name or your what name do you go by? I don't know. Maybe Patronette. Um, Chris, well, let's do Crystal Russell. Okay. Yeah. So teeny tiny Crystal is uh, crying because mm. they were just in the womb and it was nice and warm and mm. safe and now. There's lights and sounds everywhere, and it's terrifying, right? So they're crying and crying and crying, looking at you. And you get to say something to them, but you can't change anything. So you can't give advice. You can't tell them what to do different. That life is going to happen exactly the way it has happened Mm. up until this point in your life. But you can say something to them, because they're like, what the fuck is this? You can say something to them about what life's going to be like because you've already lived through up until this point. Mm-hmm. So you know what's going to happen to this tiny baby. Mm-hmm. What would you say to teeny tiny baby you? Oh my God. Um, oh, I'm going to take a while on this. Um, okay. I would say to. Oh God. I'd probably say to do it the way you, to, to like, just, can I be really di- annoying about mm-hmm. it? I would probably say, this sounds so ridiculous, but I would say something like, you're a star, probably, which is quite trash. But when I was growing up and things were really hard, the thing that I think probably, as cliche as it is to say, saved my life a lot was believing that I was a star. I'm not a star. I don't think anyone's a born star. Maybe me. But I think believing that, like, I was right and everyone else was wrong about me. And not meaning, like, my star potential, meaning, like, my queerness and my femininity. Believing, believe the... You know what? I'd say that thing inside you that tells you what you are, that makes you different, just believe that and believe that that's the right thing. I'd probably say that. And I'd also probably say... Um, I'd probably like write a list of, I can't change things, but like a list of men that I've slept with to not sleep with um, <laughs> for like funny and also quite tragic reasons. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe that's it. I would say, sorry, Sophie, this is like, I'm crap at these because it's I find it really intense. I would also say, don't worry about your body as much as you have. And I would say, just fuck them all, probably. And I'd say, get on Instagram a bit earlier then you get more followers <laughs> I'm kidding I would say don't ever download Instagram and I would say I'd say you're a star you're a fucking star and like believe it when no one else does and like believe that you're right and that you're gonna be right you're gonna be fine I don't know oh god that shit what's yours what would you say 
don't send this around on me. No. Do you still need to be told any of that? No, not necessarily, because I think my life is now... I've engineered my life, perhaps accidentally, to a place where, A, that's not what I aspire to anymore, and B, where, like, safety has been my highest concern for, like, three years, perhaps. Before, it was, like, experience and the story, and I would do things that aren't necessarily good for you for the story. Like drugs and dicks all weekend long and in dangerous situations but now I've engineered since I was attacked I've engineered a space where safety is the main priority and that and I have that now when I'm at home and when I'm like in rooms like this and like that's like a dream come true and you know probably but I think to get to here I needed to hear that I was a star for myself the whole way through and now it's quite like I'm aware of my value for myself now, not necessarily for anyone else, but that's, it wanes, but that's really cool. So no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, yeah, was that a bit shit of an answer? Perfect. No, it's perfect. All right. what, what, go on, I want to know what you'd say, just like even, a, surely you've got this answer perfectly mapped out, Sophie. I actually haven't. You I haven't? Have. That's fucked up. You ever answered it on the show? No. You're kidding me. Has anyone ever asked you to? Oh, millions of times. <laughs> millions of times. All the time. So you're not going to say it? I don't have it yet. Okay. I'll say it when I have it. I'll okay. say it when I have it. Um, where can people find your stuff? Uh, you can find me at Tom Glitter on Instagram and Twitter. But I don't really use Twitter because I find it sort of slightly like necrotic. Um, and you can find me walking around the streets of Soho. Um, probably not working hard enough. Um, but yeah, at Tom Glitter. Um, that's it. I feel bad. Oh, and you can find the book. You can find Diary of Drag Queen at any non-homophobic bookstore, because if they don't stock it, they're <laughs> fucking homophobes. No, at any good bookstore, Waterstones, some WH Smiths, uh, Foils, some, but like local bookshops as well, it's stocked there. Um, online, try not to buy from Amazon, try Waterstones online. Um, yeah. And I'm also going to be in EastEnders on the 5th of July, so watch out for that. Pff, lol. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. Sorry, I always be around the bush. No, loads. it's perfect. It's fine. Thanks. Thank you. No pod. Thank you for listening and do your thing. Buy Tom Glitter's Crystal Rasmussen's book. Do it. I'm sure it's incredible. I cannot wait to read it. And make sure you go on the internet and tell them how much you appreciated the conversation. Because I definitely did. So you will as well i um yeah we're almost back on track with the podcast i know it's there's nothing more tedious than hearing someone talk about admin and stuff it's just it's a lot of it's a big puzzle making a podcast work and it takes a lot of energy and time and money and all of that stuff so it's uh it's just been tricky and it's been a very busy time but i'm very very glad that you're still here with me and we will get back on track, I promise you. We got uh, an incredible woman on board called Kitty, and she's helping me out, and it's, oh God, it's making it all possible. But I could only get her on board because you guys helped me out financially. Uh, otherwise, there would be no podcast if it wasn't for you doing that so that I could <laughs> get people to help me when I'm knee-deep, elbow-deep, 
neck deep how do you say i don't know <laughs> in um in others work and stuff like that and psychological trauma <laughs> and whatnot so thank you so much to those who are supporting it financially that's the people who give one-off donations but it's specifically the people who are patrons because oh you're absolute heroes and what you do if you want to be a patron if you want to be part of the club is you go to patreon.com forward slash mopod m-o-h-p-o-d and you decide how much you want to give per episode and then you sign up and everything happens automatically from then on once a month at the end of the month you oh the beginning of the month whatever you will get charged for the previous month and that's it <laughs> that's really it you can put a um a limit to it so you're certain that i'm not just going to release a thousand episodes and then flee to another country but also you now know how slow i am at recording these so <laughs> thousand episodes would just never happen so um yeah and then if you give five dollars or more per episode you can choose to become a friend of the podcast and if you're a friend of the podcast i will read out your name at the end of the uh, of the episode, which is what I'm about to do now. So these people are absolute heroes, and not only heroes, but they're not just getting their names read out on this podcast, listened to by so many people, but um, <laughs> they also get their names set by me as I'm lying in bed. What? I bet that some of you creep stream. So, <laughs> sorry. The people that I want to thank who are on the date of me uh on the date of this recording so things might change in the next couple of days but as as of this very moment these are the people who are friends of the podcast so i want to say a huge thank you to andrea papillon andrew january andy walker ashley salmon autumn blue sky barry norton caitlin cat posey cherry winter claire mccowlin connor o'donovan Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifersheet, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Fenella Dan Privacy, Osiris, Aurora Teratops, Fiona Richardson, Her um, Hannah, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, uh, Harry Minnett, Heather Watson, Ida Sergolasen, Janie Mahoney, Josie, Kathleen Gulmanson, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelson, Katie, Travis, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Queen T, Lillian Harry French, this time in Dinosaur Onesies, M, M Dash, uh, Mari Fraser, Mansour Mir, Maketa Dubalova, 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 Dubalova. Oh, I have no idea. I'm so sorry for butchering that. Megan Roberts, Paul Swaddle, Perpetua T Motion, Pierre Fenu, Rachel Evenheim. Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, the three Rachels, Ragdoll, Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, and then we have the three Sarahs, Sarah Ferreira Agassiz, Sarah Allard, and Sarah Plumer, who will win Sarah's other Rachels, Susie Tyler, and Victoria Layton. Thank you so much for being amazing people. I want to say thank you to all of you. I also want to say thank you to Dave Pickering for producing the episode, to Kitty Edgar for doing the admin to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Linda Brinkhouse for the logo, and to Soho Theatre for letting me record episodes there, and to Tom Glitter and Christelle Rasmussen for being ama an amazing guest. And I will speak to you sooner than you could possibly hope for. <laughs> Bye! Oh.